0: will be streaming live soon. You are me. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Morning, everyone. As you can see, I'm not Rick Bonfam, I am Andy Hines, and today we're going to talk about the risk of faith, and we're going to talk about Mark chapter 5. Now Rick has been teaching on prophetic ministry and prophecy, and what we're going to talk about is setting a foundation for that training for for basic prophetic ministry if you don't have a foundation of faith if you don't, if you if you don't have an understanding of faith and the risk that it takes to work in the prophetic then you won't be very effective in virtually anything you do because the faith is the key and as we hear in Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to go to that from the Amplified Bible, and I want to read the classic definition of faith from Hebrews chap- chapter 11. It says this Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. If we go over to to verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him, for whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. So, uh, we have uh, an understanding of what faith is, and we're going to build on that. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and we know that the voice of a stranger they'll not hear. So, we put into practice those two things, We can hear God's voice, and we're operating in faith so that we'll be able to move in the direction that he asks us to go. All right. Now, let's open with prayer, and we'll dig right into Mark chapter 5. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. ask that the Holy Spirit would guide us in this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, within the story of Mark chapter 5, we've got three people involved. We've got the demoniac, we have Jairus, who's a synagogue leader, and we have a woman with the issue of blood. Uh, These three stories are intertwined, and uh, we're going to start out, we're going to talk briefly about them, but what we're going to try to accomplish here is we're going to confront timidity and we're going to confront fear of stepping out and believing God. Now, if I look at this and go back to Second uh, Timothy. Chapter one, verse seven, a familiar scripture, but we're going to read it in the amplified. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, craven, cringing, and fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power, of love, calm and well-balanced mind, and discipline and self-control. So, We see that we have a calm spirit. We're going to learn to walk in it, and we'll see how these three people how that, how that that worked on their behalf. Now, uh, on the demoniac, chapter one, or chapter five, verse one, um, they came to the other side of the sea uh, the, to the region of the Gadarenes, and as soon as he got out of the boat. A man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with the chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now, as we read this, we want to think in terms of uh, the camera shots we see of Seattle, of Portland, of Los Angeles, San Francisco. The street people have taken over, and they're mentally ill. This guy had some serious problems, but it's nothing that we don't see today. You can go out on the the street and just start talking to people. They're like this. They're demonic. The demonic has infiltrated their life. Now, first of all, there was a demon involved in this man's life. Um, He lived among the dead. Like the homeless in California, we're talking about that. What type of place is this to live? Not. It's it's death. It's it reeks of, of demonic. Now. No one could control him. Human strength was useless against demons. Folks, we are in spiritual warfare today. The 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 attacks that are coming from those in leadership on a godly way of life on what we what we live, breathe and do is almost inconceivable in today's environment. We we we're we're promulgating as a government the castration of little boys and little girls and doing the uh, transition surgeries, and all this stuff's going on. Um, it's amazing how many people fight for the right to abortion. All of that stuff is evil. It's inspired by demons, and we need, we're need we in spiritual warfare. We can't get mad at the people, although it's infuriating the people that promote this. You just have to remember, and you do it by faith, who's behind all of this. It's not People are not our problem. It's the demonic elements driving these people. Now he certainly uses people, and we wanna we have to deal with them, but they're not our problem. Just don't forget that. Now as we consider this type of ministry uh, to, to people in this situation, it's imperative that we not shoot off on our own in keeping in mind what Jesus said. John five nineteen. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. So the things that we see Jesus doing are the things the Father would do, and if you want to know what God would do in any specific situation look and see what Jesus did now here's the situation that he said we know Jesus walked in faith because you go back to mark chapter 1 verse 12 uh, after he modeled baptism for us the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and saddled on him then the Spirit of God God himself spoke from heaven and said This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That means he's operating in faith because you can't please God without faith. So we know Jesus is operating in faith, so what he's getting ready to do here with the demoniac requires faith. Now, I'm going to read verses 5, verses 6 through 13. I'm going to talk about those. The demoniac saw Jesus from a distance, The demons had the gall to request Jesus to not torment them. He had commanded the the demons to come out from the man from a distance. I, I envision this. As he's getting out of the boat, he recognizes the problem and starts speaking to it immediately. And Jesus engaged the demons in conversation who are you? They told him, My name is Legion, for we are many. If a Legion, 5,000, 6,000 demons in one guy, no wonder they couldn't control him. He gave them permission to enter the pigs, and the pigs committed sausage side and just ran off the cliff into the ocean. Now, under that, in, uh, under that story... We see a lot of things going on here. What does it say about Jesus in this instance that he did this from a distance? We don't know how far the distance was, but we know it was effective. Can we do this from a distance? Uh, Luke 9, excuse me. Luke 9, verses 1 through 6, says, Summoning the twelve, he gave them power and authority over all demons... And to heal diseases. Then he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God. And to heal the sick. Take nothing for the road he told them. No staff. No traveling. No bag. No bread. No money. And don't take an extra shirt. Whatever house you enter stay there and leave from there. If they do not welcome you when you leave that town. Shake off the dust from your feet. As a testimony against them. So they went out and traveled from village to village, proclaiming the good news, and healing everywhere. That was their that was their charge. That's what they were charged to do. And now at this point, Jesus is getting ready to confront a demon and a bunch of demons. He did not. I, one thing that I find interesting here he did not engage demons in a silly conversation like who are you where are you from what's your name uh, what do you do so forth and so on you hear a lot of people talking about deliverance and they uh, this demon did that and this demon said this and so forth and so on we don't really care what the demon says jesus in this case was just identifying who they were And getting them out of there. You want to know how many are in there and get them out of there. Now, his question was straight to the point Who are you? And once his name was established, the demon requested they be sent to the pigs. Jesus agreed. Now, verses 14, 15, and 17. The pork herders ran back to town and told what they'd seen. Yeah, they're out, normal day, we're doing our pigs, and all of a sudden they ran off the cliff, and it appears that this guy over here was the reason. Now, they found the right minded former demoniac and it scared the people they knew who he was but there he is sitting normal and in his right mind that scared them they came to find out what happened and when they saw that Jesus had put this man in his right mind they were scared and their response was Immediately to ask Jesus to leave the region, which he did. The author of life, the creator of the universe, was asked to leave because of a good work he had done to a man tormented by demons. If we're walking in faith in these times that we live in, if we're walking in faith, we're going to find out that when we do what God tells us to do and not going to be received well. But I'd rather be received poorly and yelled at and cursed and whatever else they do because I healed a guy, because a man was healed under our ministry, because demons were, people were delivered from demons in our ministry. When those things happen, I'd rather be caught doing those they not doing anything, which is what most churches are doing. They're acquiescing to what the world's doing and, and they're not getting the job done. What we're trying to do is learn how to get the job done and get it done by faith. Now the people were the ones who were in control of this situation. It wasn't Jesus, it was the people. If they'd have asked him to stay, he would have stayed. And a lot of them would have been delivered. A lot of good things would have happened. A lot of people would have been healed. But they didn't. They asked him to leave, and he did. We'll see this again in Jairus. When we, when we get to talking about Jairus, we'll see that this same principle held. So he gets ready to leave, and the demoniac comes to him. Here's what happens. Jesus got into the boat to leave and the right-minded former demoniac came and asked him to let him go with him. Understandable. This guy wants to be with the man that delivered him from this terrible situation he was in. But Jesus sent him to work in his own area. Uh, He told him to do two things. Tell what God has done for you and tell about the mercy he had on you now that takes me to uh, revelations 1910 that says the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy now bill johnson had a great explanation of this for years i didn't understand this scripture but the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy so when this man goes out and he tells what what exactly what Jesus said, tell them what God has done for you and the mercy that he's had on you, he will go out and tell people, here's what God did for me. This man, Jesus, came. I was loaded with demons. I was in bad shape. And he came and I got delivered. God had mercy on me. And Jesus sent him out into the Decapolis and said, go tell what people have done for you. And all the people were amazed at what had happened to him. And you can see later on, if I had a map, I could show you where the Decapolis was. Uh, He had quite a ministry in there. A lot of people were saved and moved to that. So in this situation, this man took what Jesus did and told others about it. That is the spirit of prophecy because what? Jesus doesn't is not, um, how do I want to say it, he's not particular uh, towards one person. He'll do the same thing for you that he did for the demon, for the uh, demon-possessed man here. He did the same thing for him. Now, he'll do the same thing for us. It's the spirit of prophecy. So, um, Bill Johnson explained this, and it was a great, great explanation. He was telling about uh, a a man I don't... I don't remember the exact item, but let's just say the man had uh, serious kidney problems and God healed him. That is a prophetic word of what God will do to other people that have kidney problems because he's not particular. He's not, he doesn't choose favorites. He does the same thing for everyone. And so that's a spirit of prophecy. Now, from there, let's go on. Talk about the woman with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. Mark 5:25 through 26. I'm going to read that from the amplified. I get my glasses cleaned here. What we find out is that we go back to the beginning here, of the story after Jesus comes back and crossed the lake and came back. He runs into a man named Jairus. We can't talk about the woman from the with the issue of blood until we talk about Jairus. He departed and began to publicly de- proclaim in Decapolis. That's what the man did. And when Jesus recrossed the boat to the other side, a great throng gathered about him, and he was at the lakeshore. This is where he was the previous day before the huge storm hit. And he says here, Then one of the rulers of the synagogue, this is verse 22, came up, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he prostrated himself at his feet, which is like a declaration of faith, and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and live." Remember, the, the people, the, the, the pig herders asked Jesus to, live, to leave after this miracle was done. So in this case, Jairus said, Come lay your hands on my child and she shall live. That's his declaration of faith. Verse 24 says, And Jesus went with him and a great crowd kept following him and pressed him from all sides so as to suffocate him. Now, Jairus has has spoken his faith. He has said, this is what I'm going to do, and if you come and lay your hands on my kid, she'll live. Jesus did that. See, Jairus controlled that, not Jesus. Jesus said, now, later on we'll find out from the centurion that he said, You don't have to come, if you just speak the word, my kid, my kid will be healed. And he did, and he was. And, and Jesus commented, Then I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. Now, but this point here, Jesus is walking that way. Now the lady with the issue of blood comes into the picture. And Jesus went with him, and a crowd followed him. And there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. Okay? She'd endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better and instead grew worse. When you look at this, when you look at this, the woman... Had spent all that she had, she must have been a very wealthy woman, and J. Iris would have known about her because she came to the situation. Excuse me, folks. I don't know. I don't know that person. I'm sure he's called you before. Anyway, the woman cuts in on J. Iris's time. Now, think about this. His, his daughter's dying. Jairus asked Jesus to come, and so he's come. So they're headed to his house. There are a lot of people around him. So crowded, it's about to suffocate guy. Okay? Now, I would also add this. Uh, is that happening in your church today? Do Do you see people crowding, trying to get to where you are, because of the power of the Word of God that's being spoken at your church. If we do what Jesus said and begin to do the, the works that he tells us we can do, that will happen. And we'll get the same results Jesus did. But it takes a risk of faith to do that. And we're going to see the, the both people here risk this. Now, Verse 27, she'd heard the reports concerning Jesus. Remember, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, Revelations 19.10. And she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garment. For she kept saying, she's speaking, if I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to hell. If I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. She knows other people did this; she'd heard about it, so she's going to do it. Now, she's got an issue of blood; she's been had this for twelve years. Jay Iris knew who she was. Uh, I'm sure she's told everybody. i got. I'm bleeding. I can't stop. So, from uh, the Jewish point of view, she's unclean. And she's taking a risk because Jairus could have her removed from the scene and I'm not sure what they would have done with her but it wouldn't have been nice, you know that. But Jairus doesn't do that. And she tangles with Jesus and immediately the flow of blood was dried up at the source And suddenly she felt in her body that she was healed of this distressing ailment. Now, Jesus recognizing in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth. In other words, as it says in Luke, the power uh, to heal people was present with Jesus. Now. He asked, who did the, who touched me? Well, everybody's pounding in on him, you know, and they're crowding in, and, and his disciples, uh, there's so many people here, how do you, why are you asking this? But still he kept looking around to see who had done it. The woman, knowing what had been done for her, though she was alarmed and frightened, she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. That's a risk. I don't know if I could have done that. This is a risk to sit down in front of Jesus and tell him everything that was going on and why she did what she did. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith, your trust and confidence in me, springing from faith in God, has restored your health. Go in peace. Be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. Now, Couple of statements about this. She made a faith statement. She said what she believed was going to happen. Once you make that faith statement, you must be prepared to stand your ground. We're gonna see that with J. Iris in a moment. She heard about Jesus, she touched his robe, she spoke what she wanted to happen. She knew she'd been cured immediately. I've taught for many years in an alcohol rehab center that our church had started called Fresh Wind. And one of the things that we teach to them is what we call BSA. Now, that's, that's not a motorcycle, although BSA Lightning was a great motorcycle 50 years ago. 650 cc's, guys in the... We'd ride them in front of our high school and pop wheelies until the police ran them off. That's how I learned about B.S.A. Lightning. But that's not what we're talking about here. B.S.A. means to believe, speak, and act. If you believe something, you'll speak it, and then you'll act on it. And that's exactly what she did. She believed that if she touched his garment, she'd be healed. She spoke it. If I touch his garments, I'll be healed. And then she touched her garments, and she got healed. Now Mark eleven, twenty-three and twenty-four says this for truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be removed and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And remember, this is BSA. He believes that what he says will come to pass. So things you say believe, you will receive them, you will have them. You pray it, you believe it, you receive it, you act on it. And it comes to pass. That's the plan. A lot of times we don't implement that plan very well. But that's the plan. Now, next time we'll finish up with Iris, And we'll see what, what else is going on in this story. There's a lot of good things coming down the road. So, Father, I pray right now for the word that's gone forth. And I ask you to touch us. Let this word bore a hole in us, Father, and grow like the seed of God that it is. We thank you for it, sir, in Jesus' name. Amen. And I will look forward to seeing you the next time we'll talk again about Jairus and the risk of faith.